It's time now for Ancient Scrolls under the direction of Evangelist Crystal Sharp. You may reach her by mail at P.O. Box 328, Coolridge, West Virginia, 25825. Or you may phone Evangelist Sharp at 681-422-4149. Now here's today's broadcast, Ancient Scrolls, with Evangelist Crystal Sharp. Shalom, shalom, peace in the name of Yeshua. This is Crystal Sharp, and welcome to the Ancient Scrolls program. And what you heard was the sound of the shofar in the shofar in ancient Israel. It would produce, uh, they would produce specific sounds that would cause Israel to perform particular movements. And then at the movement of the Ark of the Covenant, Moses would shout, Rise up, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. Shema, O America, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And I got that from Deuteronomy 6. And today I'm going to briefly touch on the dedication of the altar in Israel. And this happened at the beginning of this month in December. And we're going to speak on some things concerning the red heifer. It may, now, this teaching on the red heifer, it may not, I may not be able to conclude it today, so I might have to take that on over into next Sunday's program. These things, I think, are indicators of Yeshua's return. It is the altar in Israel. It is the red heifer and also the temple mount. So, and my going over these things will help familiarize some of you with events that will shortly come to pass in Israel. So let's go to prayer. Father, we thank you for being God, for being the king of the universe, king over heaven, and the king over the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Psalm 138 says, I will praise you with my whole heart before the gods i will sing praises to you and i will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word above all your name and we pray for your righteousness and justice to prevail over the deep darkness of the nations we pray for your spirit of repentance to saturate the church in the nation and father (coughs) We pray for President Trump as usual. We pray life over him, that your spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding will permeate him. We pray that he will be a seeker of you, of your righteousness and justice. We pray he will not seek to divide Israel. We ask that he be protected, his wife, his children, and grandchildren. And we look to you, Father, to deliver us because man does not possess the ability to save us. Father, you are the only solution to the many problems in this nation. And our problems seem and appear to increase every day. We pray for Israel's protection as the nations are conspiring to annihilate them. We pray that you give them hidden strategies to overcome their enemies. And we ask that every plan of the enemy will be exposed. There is coming a day when Israel will receive Yeshua as their king. 
And we pray Yeshua will come quickly because the earth is full of violence. It is full of the blood of the unborn, of the innocent. The nations are defiled with with, uh, sexual sins and child molestation. We ask you to deliver us, Father, in Yeshua's name. Amen. On nearly every program, I remind listeners that our Father, for some months, has been speaking to us repeatedly that we are at the end of days, and for us to deliver His royal proclamation to others. And He also said there is going to be a stock market crash, and the powers that be, and I'm talking about those Satanists that we have voted for to take government seats, those among the wealthy elite, In this nation and in the world, they are employing themselves diligently to dissolve the nations into chaos so they can bring order to the world through their figure, the Antichrist. And Israel, of course, it it plays a significant role in the end of days and in the return of Yeshua. They are fulfilling prophetic passages in the Bible concerning them, and so are the nations. The nations will fulfill their part by killing the Christians and Jews. They will fulfill their part by hating God and worshiping Satan, worshiping the Antichrist, and worshiping its image. As I said earlier about the altar, it was a, around the 12th. Of, you know, this is to me, it's a, this is an indicator of Yeshua's return. So, and it was around the 12th of this month, December, that Israel came into the news for erecting an altar, which is not just erecting it, but they dedicated it. They erected it, and they dedicated. It on the last day of Hanukkah, and it is a replica of the one that will be used in the future on the Temple Mount. So, they're having dedicated this altar, this development in Israel. It caused ripples in the prophetic community and among those who have understanding. And the understanding is that this is one of the indicators that point to Yeshua's return. Now, there were different responses to Israel dedicating this altar among the Christians. There were different responses. And these responses, I thought, were interesting. Some immediately started prophesying hell, fire, brimstone, damnation, death, and plague on Israel. And some even posted supposed ecstatic visions of God's wrath and hatred being poured out on them, the apple of God's eye, right? So then there were the other Christians, like me, who had the perspective that this was perhaps a harbinger. It's a precursor that would link it to the end of days. Uh, It would link it to those prophetic passages concerning the end of days in the Bible, Altars going up in Israel is significant in this day since it has not happened for several thousand years and among some Christians. And and as a friend of mine pointed out, Frankie, 
that you know we know that among some Christians this caused a disturbance because the realization is that we are at the end of days. This is just an indication that we are at the end of days and that the Antichrist is close to being revealed. And so this created anxiety because, well, according to the the teachings of error, I'm talking about the teachings on the rapture, um, it is sometimes taught in error. And according to the error, the way that it's taught, the church should be raptured already. But yet the church is still here. The resurrection hasn't happened. The graves have not been opened. And this is causing a discomfort to the flesh as these teachings of error are being re-examined. And years ago when I was taught the rapture, I was taught that it was supposed to happen seven years before any bad thing was to happen. Anything in Israel. I mean, we were supposed to be taken up out of here. I see all kinds of stuff and we're still here. So what I do is I just go by the revelation of the word. And that's how I learned it. I just went by the revelation of the word, and I, and, and I learned it also from the ancient perspective. And what I did was I actually started at Revelation and worked backwards. I worked backwards from Revelation concerning the resurrection. I worked backwards to Paul's teachings on it and those ancient teachings that he had. So anyway, so this is one indicator of the Lord's return, of Yeshua's return. It's the altar. And another indicator of Yeshua's return that looks promising was the birth of a red heifer on September the 5th of this year, just a few days before the Lord's Feast of Yom Teruah, or some would know it as Rosh Hashanah. The Temple Institute is caring for this red calf, and a board of rabbis has certified it to be blemish-free. And we're going to go over some of those passages in, in Numbers 19 here in just a few minutes. Now, the calf could at any time develop some sort of blemish that would disqualify it for sacrifice. But right now, there is no indication that the red calf has developed any sort of defect. So it's a situation that is fluid right now, so time will tell. And the calf is nearly four months old, I think. It'll be four months old on January the 5th. All right, so, and I mentioned earlier, too, is that a third indicator is the Temple Mount coming under the full control of Israel. And this will be either through a war or the passing of a law. And this event, this will be whichever, whether, either or, or maybe both, I'm not sure, but um, Israel possessing full control of the Temple Mount this will tell us that, and especially when the altar is up and operating, that we will possibly have only three and a half years after that before the return of Yeshua. So what would be the importance of the red heifer? Israel in the past required the ashes of the red heifer to cleanse the tabernacle, uh, the vessels, the altar, the priests from any sort of contamination as a result of having come in contact with the dead. Death is not to come into the presence of the Lord. God is life and brings life. He brings 
function, and order. And death is something that man brought into the world through disobedience, the disobedience of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It brought dysfunction, decay, disease, separation, chaos, and death. These latter things are not to come into the Lord's presence. And so that man so that man could have the ability to come near him. God made certain provisions and requirements to enable man to approach him because he God is pure, he is holy, and we are not. And we have to be brought near to him through the blood of Yeshua, who who was and is perfect, and he was without any sort of defilement corruption, or sin. Now, the importance of the ashes of the red heifer today will be to cleanse the temple mount when the altar is erected there in the near future, within the next few years, possibly, and maybe even within the next Shemitah cycle. Some of you may not know what Shemitah is. Shemitah is a seven-year cycle that the Lord established some 3,500 years ago. And this Shemitah, the Shemitah was established to cause the land to rest. It, it had to have its year to be restored. And so my husband and I look at the next... We look at the next years through the lens of a Shemitah cycle, like God does. And, and then the very beginning of a Shemitah cycle is important because it develops those years following it. And so the next Shemitah cycle is in the year 2021. And this will be the year that the red heifer will be old enough to be sacrificed or slaughtered. But let's go ahead and take a look at Numbers 19. Numbers 19, because I'll have to move on. All right, Numbers 19. Now, this is during the time when Israel is still in the wilderness. They have the tabernacle erected. They have their priests. They have their instruments, and they have their uh, vessels um, to use. And, and the, the, the function of the priesthood is... There, everything is in position to be used, and so, and then, and then, so the Lord is giving instructions on how to operate the tabernacle, and He tells them what their function is and what is what He approves of, what He doesn't approve of. He just He's just giving His instructions, right? So let's start at the beginning of the chapter. And so the text reads the Lord giving Moses instructions for a red heifer sacrifice. This is what it says. This is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer without blemish in which there is no defect, on on which a yoke has never come. And so this may be a Hebrew idiom, and I'm talking about which a yoke has never come. This is an idiom to mean that the red heifer would be fat. And it would be fat because it's never been worked. It will be fat. It's never been used for labor. And then it goes on in verse 3. It says, 
that the heifer was to be slaughtered outside the camp. And then it goes on in verse 6, as, as I'm moving along, that it says that the red heifer, that it has to be consumed by fire along with uh, cedarwood, hyssop, and scarlet. So we're going to go over some of these uh, passages. It says here in verse 5, Then the heifer shall be burned in his sight. Well, let me look here. Verse 4, it says, And Eleazar the priest shall take some of its blood, the, the blood of the red heifer, with his finger, and sprinkle some of it, of its blood seven times directly in front of the tabernacle of meeting. And you're going to see this again being done in the temple. In Solomon's temple, this was done. And in the second temple period, it was done this way also. Then it goes on verse 5. And then the heifer, so you can see that this sacrifice is being done right in front or uh, outside of the ta- or outside of the camp, but it will be directed right in front of the temple. You can see the temple in front or the tabernacle in front of them. So then it goes on, then the heifer shall be burned in his sight. It's hot, it's flesh, it's blood, and it's awful shall be burned. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast them into the midst of the fire burning the heifer. Now these three ingredients, cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet. Cedar wood is sort of juniper tree, and it has chemical properties, properties that make it like an insect repellent. Plus, it possesses a natural antifungal and antibacterial agent. And hyssop oil is the same. And antibacterial, antifungal, and it's used in medicines. And now the worm, I had to, I mean, the scarlet, I had to look that up. And as far as I can tell, this, this is what they used to call a scarlet worm, a kermis worm. And it's also used as an astringent in skin lotion. So the thing of this is, a person coming in contact with the dead can become a potential carrier of a disease from which the person they had come in contact with died, right? So, and this mixture that I just mentioned, it acts as a powerful cleanser to inhibit any possible contamination by the body of the deceased, right? And I'm going to go on and, and you can see some things. Now, in Numbers 19, verse 13, let's, let's go ahead and look at this. Whoever touches the body of anyone who has died and does not purify himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. So like I said previously, death is not to come into the presence of the Lord. And it goes on and it says that that person will be cut off from Israel. He shall be unclean because the water of purification was not sprinkled on him. His uncleanness is still on him. And then it goes on and it says, This is the law. When a man dies in a tent, all who come into the tent and all who are in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel which has no cover fastened on it is unclean. Whoever in the open field touches one who is slain by a sword or who has died, or a bone of a man, or a grave, and this includes cemeteries, it goes on and it says, shall be unclean. 
And so what we see here is that death contaminates everything. Anything in the tent or, or in the building or structure, if this person had a disease that killed them, it, will, it is thought that it will, just, it will just contaminate objects. And if you touch the object, you'll be contaminated. Then you go out and touch someone, then you'll, be contamin- you'll contaminate them. And so it goes on. It's a cycle, all right? So let's go on. The passages then say in verse 17, And for an unclean person... They shall take some of the ashes of the heifer burnt for purification from sin and running water. This means living water. And I'm going to go over that here in just a minute. So living water shall be put on them in a vessel. A clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in water. And it's talking about the water that has had the ashes put in it. So a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water and sprinkle it on the tent on all the vessels, on the persons who were there, or the one who touched a bone, the slain, the dead, or a grave. Okay, so these these three ingredients, the red heifer, these three ingredients, and the red heifer, I'm talking about the cedarwood, the hyssop, and and the scarlet, right? So these are consumed together, and when needed, these ashes were sprinkled on living water. And in the New King James, it said would would mean running water. Living water would be something like our brooks and streams, some springs, um, and rivers if they're not defiled. So they would they would collect this this living water, and then they would sprinkle the ash of the red heifer the, that was consumed with the cedar wood, the hyssop, and the scarlet. And so and then they would dip the hyssop in it, and they would use that to sprinkle the person who had become defiled by coming in contact with the dead, right? So what we're going to do, let's go ahead and go over the ritual slaughtering of the red heifer. During the time of the tabernacle, the red heifer was taken outside the camp. And this is during the time of the tabernacle. It was taken outside the camp by the priest to be slaughtered. And it is the only sacrifice that would be taken outside the camp. Well, besides the goat <clears throat> on Yom Kippur called Azazel, the priest would take the goat Azazel, and the sins of Israel would be laid upon the goat, and it would be carried out into the wilderness. So this represented taking the sins of Israel away from them, right? But it's, it's more than that also. So the sins would, would be taken away from Israel, but the sins of Israel was taken away from the presence of God as well. The red heifer being slaughtered outside of the camp was performed away from the presence of God because his, his dwelling place was there in the tabernacle. His dwelling place was there among Israel. So he didn't like to be where there was... Um, a lot of ritual defilement and things like that. So, so their, their sins were taken away from before the presence of the Lord also. Now the priest would take the red heifer outside the camp and he would face the entrance of the tabernacle. He would slaughter the red heifer and sprinkle its blood seven times toward the tabernacle. And he would then burn it with the three ingredients that I uh, talked about. So 
Now, during the temple period in Solomon's day, the red heifer was then slaughtered outside of the Jerusalem walls on the Mount of Olives, east of the Holy Temple. And this was done to where the priest could see into the entrance of the Holy Temple. The priest would arrange himself and the red heifer to where he could see straight back to the holy place where the curtain hung. And so this parallels the death of Yeshua in Matthew 27 and 51 when it describes the scene of the Holy of Holies from where the crucifixion of Yeshua was taking place. Those there with Yeshua could see straight into the temple to where the curtain of separation when it was torn in two when Yeshua died. And, of course, Yeshua could see the Holy of Holies, too. Now, after the priest or the slaughtered the red heifer, he would sprinkle its blood seven times in the direction of the temple. And the red heifer would then be burned in a place called the wine press, due to its shape being similar to that of a wine press in which grapes were tread upon. And then after it being completely consumed by fire, the priest would then gather up its ashes. The ashes would then be divided into three portions. One part was kept in a secure place on the Mount of Olives. One was kept in the area immediately outside the wall of the temple courtyard. And one part was divided among the priests throughout the land of Israel to be used as needed in purifying the people. The red heifer prophetically points to Yeshua in his death on the tree. He was perfect and unblemished, and he took on the sins of the world so that we could become the righteousness of God. The red heifer was slaughtered outside the camp, and outside the walls of Jerusalem, so was Yeshua slaughtered outside the walls of the city of Jerusalem. The red heifer was able to cleanse those contaminated by touching dead corpses. And Yeshua was able to cleanse us from the sins of the world that causes death. The sages say the red heifer is the most mysterious of all the sacrifices in that it purified the impure and defiled the pure. And this is symbolic of Yeshua's work on the cross. He became defiled to make the impure pure. And as I was researching through the Mishnah for some information on the red heifer, it states that nine red heifers have been slaughtered from the time of Moses to the destruction of the second temple in 70 AD. There are those who say there's going to be a tenth red heifer and that this tenth red heifer will usher in the Messianic kingdom. And there is another teaching that Yeshua will slaughter a red heifer in the third temple on his return. And this will be the new millennium. And, and And this is why they believe this. Ezekiel 36, 24 says, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And so the sages say this will be done between Purim and Passover or Pesach. He then continues, I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. So we can see the sprinkling like at the tabernacle and in the temple services will be conducted again. Let me see what time I have. Okay.
Also, Ezekiel chapters 40 through 48 points to the time of the new millennium. And it gives more understanding on the prince, which is Yeshua, offering his sacrifices to God when he enters the temple. And the sages call this the third temple. So it'll be an exciting time. I'm going to end the program. If it's God's will, I will be here next program. Remember to walk by faith and not by sight. Do two things this week. Love and forgive. Ask God to cleanse you from all unrighteousness every day. Keep your spiritual garments clean from wrinkles, spots, and blemishes. Love God. Love your neighbor. Rico Cortez will sing the Aaronic Blessing in Hebrew from Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through 26. Adonai Vishmerecha Panavelecha vichuneka Yisadonai Panavelecha Veasem lecha The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the name of the Lord be upon you forever. Amen. You've been listening to Ancient Scrolls under the direction of Evangelist Crystal Sharp. You may call her at 681-422-4149 or write to her at Box 328, Cool Ridge, West Virginia, 25825. And listen again next Sunday morning for Ancient Scrolls under the direction of Evangelist Crystal Sharp. This program was pre-recorded.